The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. You know, sometimes if you don't have a question, it can be useful to just describe a little bit about what you're noticing. Um, because sometimes that will give me a sense of something and I might be able to hear something that I could offer. So sometimes even just a description of experience of what you're noticing as you're doing this practice can be really helpful. Hi, my name's Rick. Hi, Rick. Hi. Uh, thank you for your teaching today. I, I find it really interesting. I've taken a bunch of notes, and I'm sure I'm going to find it very portable and useful. Um, so I don't have a question so much as I think it is useful for me to uh, talk a little bit about my experience for what it's worth. I'm sure everybody has their own experience, and I don't want to take up too much time, but a little. So... I came today in part because I wanted some space to process some stuff. And I knew some things that I needed to process. And I hadn't been here in a long time, but I thought, okay, yeah, one day, silent meditation, I can handle that. A week is too much for me, I found. Um, and, and, and I noticed myself starting to get angry because during the sitting sections, I kept feeling like I, I want silence, and I'm not getting silence. So... You know, and the good part of me was coaching myself along, saying, Rick, you know, the teacher is instructing students. They all seem to be into this. Let them be. <laughs> and I was getting so mad. And, you know, I can trace it back to some of my own stuff. And I said, okay, that's probably about this. And, Rick, you know, what you can do is you can take yourself outside and meditate if you need silence. Mm-hmm. It's okay. And that was very helpful. So for me, I think a lot of the juice of the teachings seems to be in that part of my attitude about what am I feeling about this, you know? And, and I know because of work I've done, sometimes there's a lot of resentment and anger. And like, oh, my God, I got anger. I didn't know that. Yeah. Sometimes there's a whole lot of fear, and I'm very familiar with that. And those things are really huge and really big. And I do a lot of work on those things, and often I find if I get lucky and do enough work on them, underneath there's this well of grief. And the grief comes up and it washes everything. And then I feel like, oh, wow. <laughs> Wish I could have got there sooner. That was the good stuff, you know. So I feel like when you get to that attitude part, that's where it, like, begins for me. Yeah. And then there's all this emotional stuff that I need to work through. And I'm, I'm only sort of half, half skilled or half unskilled in that to get to what I know is that grief part. And then I feel better and I'm good with the world. And then just I'll close with a little shout-out. I have to say, taking a walk through this beautiful neighborhood and these gorgeous houses and these wonderful leaves, so much joy. (laughs) Great. So it's not all bad stuff. (laughs) Uh, But again, thank you. So are you noticing then the joy, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, great. I'm taking pictures of leaves and savoring. (laughs) Look at this. Just look at this leaf. How beautifully it's built. I am part of this universe. (laughs) Yeah. So one thing I'll um, I'll point to the uh, patience is huge for us in this practice. You know, when we're touching into those deeper levels and deeper layers and deeper patterns, having some patience about how long it takes to unfold, 
And sometimes we can, we can have a little bit of a sense of, okay, I know what's underneath, like you've pointed to the grief. It's like, where's the grief? Or we might like dig a little bit trying to find it or you know, trying to touch into it in that way. What I've seen is um, more useful because you know, when we dig in that way, um, often it's our agendas, it's our sense of what's good and what's bad. You know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a little bit of a, an agenda that's, that's digging into that. And if we are looking for something in that way, we are going to find it. And we'll probably find it in the way that we're expecting to find it. And so sometimes it can be interesting to explore, can I have patience? And just like, you know, it's like settle back, it's like, okay, this is what's happening, this fear or this anger, whatever, is kind of the obvious part. And I think of like holding it with really wide arms. A a lot of our patterns, a lot of our our challenges, they feel so complex, many layered, lots of layers to them. And um, we think, we we might think we know what's right in the middle and that that's where it would unwind, you know, that's where we need to get to, is into that middle place. But that, you know, that diving into the middle actually doesn't honor the, the kind of outer layers. And what I've seen is like, you know, just like, it's almost like wide arms holding a difficulty with wide arms. And the pattern is there. It's unfolding, it's mutating, it's, it's revealing itself. And if we can hold it with wide arms, it's like, it's almost as if this, this is, it's a big ball of like tangled stuff. And it's not static, it's moving, it's shifting, it's rotating, it's changing. And if we just are patient and hold it, it's like various pieces of that pattern will like come to the surface, they'll reveal themselves, it'll open up, it'll open up. And that way we're more receiving uh, what's ready to be offered rather than like having the agenda to dive underneath and into the middle. Um, You know, that... that, um, that patience can allow something different to reveal itself sometimes. And so I would just encourage some patience there in and exploring maybe some compassion with holding the anger and holding the fear. And that, it will reveal what's underneath. It may, it may well touch into that, that grief, but at the same time, at the point when you touch into that, your mind is much more ready to learn the lessons that are ready to reveal themselves at that point. So I found that patience is really helpful in this, uh, in this unfolding. So thank you for your sharing. Hi, I'm Michelle. I think you may have just answered my question. <laughs> um, I've been trying to focus on calm and peaceful and is it called monkey mind? <laughs> yeah. Is that what it's called? Okay. When the mind is jumping around? Yeah. Yes. And a part of me wants to write some of the thoughts of the to-do list, like I have for the day down. I'm trying to not go to that place. Um, do you have any other comments or suggestions? So can you describe your experience of that monkey mind? Uh, well, I'll be sitting and focusing and trying to be mindful and then a thought will come out of nowhere need to go to store to buy x and a part of me wants to write it down then i can go back and focus on mindfulness again Uh (laughs) and then it will do that so i guess the experience is 
I need to do this after I meditate. And, 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 and there's something more there, I'm hearing, something more there, which is, um, if I don't write this down, I'll forget it. Or um, better, better make sure I remember this or something like that. And so that's really where the movement to you know, write it down comes from. Um, yeah, th- I mean, we all experience things like this. You know, sometimes it's like our minds, when we relax a little bit, it's like it, it lets go of some of the the things that are pressuring us and then things that are kind of like, you know, oh, that could be done and that could be done and that could be done. If it's something that you, you, you really know you have to do and, um, I mean, a lot of those things that come up are, are more along the lines of, oh, that's a great idea, but it's not like, really urgent to write it down. And so using some discernment about, about that. And seeing, too, you might explore for some time, you know, what happens if you don't write it down? So you might find that if you don't write it down, the mind kind of gets more tense. You know, it's like, oh, I better remember that. How do I remember that? You know, and, and if that happens, then it might be useful. First of all, you can notice that that pattern that has happened, you know, the kind of tension that's come in. And if it doesn't feel like you can really hold that with mindfulness, then write it down. But sometimes these things come up and it's not, it's not as much of, a, of an urgent thing. It's more of a sense of, oh, that'd be nice to remember. And so using some discernment about when to act on that. And if you do decide to write it down, so... You're, you're meditating, this thought comes through. It can just come through and go, and you can go, oh, that's a nice thought, okay, and then it goes. And then you might, you know, have some little bit of like, oh, I don't want to forget that thought, and, and maybe that goes. But if you do write it down, if you do, if it does come up and it's got some persistence to it, then open your eyes mindfully, pick up your pen mindfully, and write it down mindfully. This does not have to be outside of the practice. So we do, at times in living our lives, need to write things down so we remember. I've got a whole calendar of things like that. (laughs) I don't just go, oh, yes, may I remember that when it arises. You know, I probably wouldn't make it here in the morning (laughs) if that's the way I dealt with those things. (laughs) They get on my calendar. Um, so, So, you know, we do have to write things down. We do have to do that. And so if it happens during the meditation, practice doing it mindfully. It's like you don't have to leave mindfulness and come back to mindfulness to do something like that. So, so you know, that's, that's another place where we believe, oh, it's not mindful, mindfulness if I'm doing such and such. You know, if, I, if I'm writing something down, then that's, that's not mindfulness, and I better hurry back to the, you know, write it down quickly so I can hurry back to the mindfulness. That's what we're doing. It's like, do it mindfully and, and explore what that might mean. Thank you. Yeah, over here. I'm wondering how this uh, can be incorporated when interacting with people, or or is it not? Because I feel um, I'm uh, like uh, when I'm seeing or hearing. I'm not responding. I'm just like 
letting things be. Mm-hmm. And when I'm looking, it's like, I feel like that's a time when I'm appreciating what I'm seeing. But can this be applied to being with people and interacting with people? Yes. Yes? Okay. <laughs> I have no idea how I would do that because <laughs> I feel kind of spacey. <laughs> well, it takes, some, it takes some practice, and it also has a slightly different flavor in a way. Um, you know, when we're meditating in a day like today, we don't really need to deal with content too much. You know, it's like we, we can see a beautiful tree and, and, and appreciate the leaves or, or, or listen to the crunching of the leaves underneath our feet. Or, and it's like we don't have to, like, remember this is how crunching leaves sound and this is the way this tree looks and this is the street that tree is on. We don't have to remember that stuff. We don't really have a lot of content to engage with. And, and the thing with what we're doing today, I mean, it, it ha- I don't feel upset. I mean, none of my buttons are pushed uh-huh. or whatever you want to call it. Nothing, I mean, I'm just like appreciating the whole thing. So I have no anger or fear. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, the biggest fear is, am, am I going to trip over that crack, you know? <laughs> So well, I, so this know, is I, this is part of the benefit of a day like today. You begin to learn what does it feel like to establish mindfulness. That's really what I would say we're doing in these two days: is cultivating the conditions that help us to establish this kind of mindfulness that is more receptive than directed, so that we can then begin to apply it in our daily lives. Um, I'm going to offer just a couple of brief things. Um, around, you know, how you can begin to take this into, into daily life. So a lot of it has to do with learning how to be mindful with content. So as I said today, you know, we're not having to be with content too much. And yet, you know, our daily lives are full of content. And if we think that we can't be mindful with content, like writing a note down about what we need to do after the meditation, you know, if we think we can't be mindful of that, then there's a whole chunks of our day that are off limits that we just think, oh, can't be mindful of that. Why bother? Um, and so, you know, the learning of what it means to engage and be aware with content. So um, Saira Utejaniya talked about um, a simple practice that helps us in this area. He called it 50-50 mindfulness. So when we're engaging in the world, um, doing things like, you know, you could start uh, in, in maybe a somewhat simple way while driving home. It's like 50% or maybe 80% of the attention on driving on the freeway. <laughs> you know, let yourself know that that's happening, the content, tracking the cars, all of that. And then, you know, 20% or 30% on how you are in the moment while that's happening. This kind of... Um, practice around, you know, uh, here's content, and how am I with that content? There's a bunch of different ways that we can play with that before we start trying to interact with other people. Um, so one of the first um, places we can explore this, so, so conversation, for instance, is both, so we're, we're either um, listening to the contents of somebody else's mind, or we're sharing the contents of our mind. And there's some smaller ways or more um, navigatable ways that we do that in terms of being aware of it. And that is when we're reading and writing. 
And so you can play a little bit with practicing while reading. You know, you might um, um, reading the news in the morning. You can, you can, with reading, you can take in the content at your own pace. Whereas when somebody's talking to you, they're setting the pace and, you know, you don't get to kind of say, okay, you said a sentence, wait, stop, let me check in, see how I am with that. Um, so, so the, you know, the, but you can do that with reading. You can read a sentence or two and then check in. Oh, how am I with that? And so in this way, you gain your skills for dealing with things that are more charged. So you, you read in a sentence about something, okay, well, that, that raised the energy. Okay, can I, can I sit with that? Just know that. Maybe read another sentence, see what happens there. So then you, you, um, you get a little bit of skill with working with this, how you are with content. So how does the content affect you? So that's really what I, I hear him, him saying with this 50-50 awareness. 50% of the attention on what's happening and 50% of the attention on how, how that affects you. So how are you with that? And then likewise, in sharing the contents of our mind, we do that when we write. When we write an email, write a letter, whatever, how, whatever form we do that in. Um, um, when you're writing, how does the content you are writing affect you? Where's it coming from? Uh, how does it feel to think about sharing this content with the person you're sharing it with? And so again, you get a little bit of practice with this in, in um, time when you can slow down the, the processing somewhat. So this is, this is like just, um, you know, getting your skills around being aware with content. And so that's where I'd encourage you to start. And another really helpful place to explore this is in, in our meditation, because sometimes in a day like this, I mean, you'd, you said none of your buttons were being pushed today, but my guess is it's probably not true for everybody in here, because what happens when we sit is that thoughts arise about something that happened yesterday, and our mind creates that memory, and then it's like we are in, in the storm of that. And so again, with, with um, the th- a thought arising in our own mind, rather than having the idea, oh, thinking, that's not, about, that's not mindfulness. Let me come back to something in the present moment like my body sensations or something like that. Instead of having that approach, it's like, oh, here's some content in the mind. How does that affect me for that content to come up? Ooh, there was a flare of frustration or anger, and can I be with that? So that it, we're not separating so much the content from what we're noticing. Because content, thoughts have a huge effect on us. Words have a huge effect on us. And so if we can learn what it means to meet um, the experience that comes with particular words or particular content, that's a great avenue into this exploration in interrelationship because so much of our interrelationship is around ideas and views and thoughts and content so, and, and feelings. So, so that's, a place, that's a place to begin. Uh, may I ask another question? Uh, when that comes up in meditation, which it does, either going into the past or or remembering treatment that was, you know, still 
creates a lot of energy. At that point, do I simply just experience the energy that comes up with that thought? Or at what point do I start investigating all of that? Do I do it at that point? Or do I wait till after the meditation? Well, what is the most skillful way to handle when thoughts do come up in meditation that are very upsetting and I'm not running away, but I'm not sure what to do once I've I faced them and okay, all right. So it's going to take two hours, okay. But then when when do I take the time to begin to understand why that is still upsetting mm-hmm. me? Why I'm still feeling resentful or afraid that I might be unskillful the next time I talk to that person? So what I would say is that the 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 exploration. So a thought arises about some conversation with somebody and a whole host of emotions arises with that in that moment what you're doing is exploring that big mess that I was talking about a few minutes ago it's like wow it's like a huge explosion of many threads many much a lot of stuff going on and really settling back and okay what is this like Um, It will affect your body. It'll affect your thoughts. And so that is the investigation. Just being with it, holding it, opening to it, is the investigation. The idea that I'm going to dig in and figure out where it's coming from or why it's happening, that often is, is motivated by not liking the pattern, wanting to get rid of the pattern. And so that very motivation, if, you, if that's how and why you're investigating something, that very motivation is not actually so helpful. And so we, we ex- again, explore patience with the, the patterns and um, let them reveal themselves to us. Over time, it's like, you know, it might be, oh, okay, well, this is what, this is what came up. Can I just know this, explore this, be with this as it is? And as we do that without reactivity, we'll often find that it'll, it'll fade, it'll weaken a little bit over time. Maybe, though, it also will trigger us. If our mindfulness isn't quite strong enough to meet it, then we, are con- we could be overwhelmed by that pattern. And then we might need to actually turn away from that pattern. We might need to set it aside like bow to it and say, I see you, not now. And like, I'm just going to put my attention on my feet right now because I can do that. Um, So that, you know, it depends on on what happens as you try to hold a, a challenging pattern. If you can hold it, just be patient with what reveals itself in that moment. In, the, in that time. Now, this is, this is this practice's way of dealing with this. Psychotherapy would deal with this in a very different way. So this is, this is really... Uh, what I will say, though, is that this style or this form of meeting experience, these patterns are very deeply conditioned. You know, we see it once, and we meet it with mindfulness and it's like we get some, we get a little view into it. We get a little flavor of this way that it's unfolding and maybe understand a little bit about why the mind is, is reacting in that way in this moment. And then maybe the next time it comes up, it will come up 
it will come up many times because it's deeply conditioned. So if we have the idea that, oh, here it is, I've got the opportunity to get rid of it now and forever, probably that's coming from aversion, that, that motivation. And so we really need to cultivate a patience that will, is willing to meet a pattern many times over and over again and just learn what is available to be learned in this situation, in this time, with the level of mindfulness that we have right now. And so it's, it's uh, you know, and what I've seen in my own experience is that this is actually really powerful way of undoing our habitual reactivity. It takes a lot of patience though. I mean, it's not, it's not like, oh yeah, I can sit down with this and, you know, one pattern that I worked with a lot was self-hatred. And it was many years of looking at that pattern arising, seeing it in different ways, in different forms, and learning different things about it each time. And there, it was hugely transformative, hugely transformative to have that patience to work with that pattern each time it came up. Sometimes, sometimes when it came up, I was not able to be mindful of it, and I had to set it aside. Sometimes when it came up, I was able to be right with it, just seeing, oh, there it is. This is arising. This thought is arising, and it's just a thought. The mind is believing a thought. That's what's happening right now. And, and seeing that created a, a, the conditions for a huge releasing and letting go. So, but it took a long time. So patience, patience. With this, with this style of practice, patience is huge. And yet, and yet we see the benefit pretty clearly, pretty quickly. You know, we, we get a, a flavor or a taste of how it's valuable to help us in navigating these difficulties. And so as we see the value of it in helping us navigate our difficulties, we're more willing to be patient. And we're more willing to um, let them unfold and be with them for as long as we can in this, in this moment. Yeah. Can you just elaborate a little bit what you mean when you say explore it? Well, I, what I mean is just be with it. Up. Just be with it. Just be with it. With what's okay. obvious, be with what's obvious. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? Hi, Andrea. Uh, thank you. Um, I just, uh, I've been sitting with a, with a really, um, in having that tangle happen, and it's a really painful tangle of, I, I know that my mind is believing something because it's causing my heart rate to go way up, my blood pressure to go way up. It's a really uncomfortable physical feeling. But I can't, I, I'm having trouble. It's so uncomfortable that it's really hard to be with it. Yeah. And I keep trying to stay with it. And I can feel the aversion of wanting to solve this because it's so painful that I just want it, whatever this is, to like pop the infection so that it, it goes <laughs> yeah. away. It's so brutal. Yeah, we've got this idea that I, I just need to get the scalpel and like yeah. you know cut this thing out and throw it so away <laughs> so that I can I can stop this physical reaction and that something in my mind is generating. Yeah, and it, it's so unpleasant. Um, that seriously sitting with it, I can feel my heart rate go up to 80, to 90, to 100. Like it just keeps going. And I'm 
it's like watching yourself redline. Yeah. Like, um, so, so. so what I would say is if you're, you're noticing that kind of response, that is not a good uh, object or experience to be trying to be mindful of at that time. And so what I would encourage, and I've talked about, like, you know, paying attention to something else, but I'm going to give you all, and I'm just going to ask you, have I ever talked to you about working with corners? No. No, okay. Well, I'll tell everybody about this. Um, So this is a powerful tool that helps us to, and so this is a tool, and there's places for tools in every form of meditation, and this is no exception. Sometimes people can get the idea with the very um, uh, non-doing form of this practice where it's just like, oh yes, we just receive, relax, receive, no, we're aware. So we get the idea that doing anything, you know, bringing in tools to help us um, not have to look at something is somehow a problem. But we, we, have to, we have to be clearly discerning when something is stronger than our ability to be mindful of it. And I would say that, you know, the heart rate going up like that is probably a good signal that this one is too strong right now. And there'll be times when things are strong and we, we have to set them aside and times when we can open to them. And so it's, it's just recognizing when that's possible and when it's not. When it's not possible to meet it with mindfulness, it's really helpful to have some tools that help us to step aside, you know, to, uh, to, to let go of something that, that is that difficult. Often when something is that painful, it's like a magnet, you know, it's like you try to let go of it and you're right back there. So it's hard to let go of sometimes. So this tool that I'm going to offer of looking, of corners, of using corners, is a, it's a pretty powerful tool that can help us to, um, like, demagnetize that experience. Even if we demagnetize it for 90 seconds, it will be helpful. It'll give you a little bit of a break from it. So the, the tool or the technique is to, and we'll all try it together as I describe it. Um, in a room like this, I'll pick any place that two lines come together. And I'll just look at a corner, so any place two lines join, for about a second. And then I'll switch to another place where two lines come together and look at that. And then another one. So no more than like a second, maybe even a little less than a second with each corner. So look at a corner, connect to it. And you don't have to do anything like deep and meaningful with the corner. It's just, no, it's a corner. Okay, there's a corner. Okay, how about another one? And another one. And another one. And it's really helpful to move your head, even behind you. And so let's all do this for like 30 seconds together. Find a corner and switch. Just connect and switch. So I'll start with with you and see how does that affect you. That's really helpful. 
<laughs> that really is amazing. So the way it works is that um, essentially our attention is kind of magnetized to something that keeps charging us up. And it's, it's like we've got these... Um, um, well, it's kind of like there's, there's these hormones that get released when we're triggered or activated by something. And as we're activated, it's like, it's like we've got some button in there that's releasing that hormone. And, you know, it's, it's, you know each time we, we kind of get magnetized back to it, it's like we're pushing that button or that button is getting pushed again and again and again. And so we're just being flooded with these activating hormones. And what this is doing is it's using the power of attention where we have the capacity to look at something for a split second. And then, so if I were to tell you, look at a corner and stay with that corner, probably what would happen is you would look at that corner and then loop back to the other, to the other thing. Um, but given that you're consciously remembering to shift and shift and shift. It's that shift and connect. It keeps the attention from reverting back. And if you can do that for 90 seconds, I understand from um, a book by a neurobiologist, um, Jill Bolte-Taylor, some of you may have read this book, My Stroke of Insight. Um, she, she said that she, um, she knew, she, when she was dealing with her recovery from a stroke, um, she recognized that she could kind of get activated and if she could step aside from that activation, she knew from her neurobiological training that hormone release through the system will flush through the system in 90 seconds. And so if you're not pushing that button over and over again, 90 seconds of doing this will let you normalize. And so it doesn't even take that long um, but it's a really powerful tool. This is a really powerful tool to help you when your mind is that kind of reactive. And then once, once you have um, like normalized a little bit, then you can try again. Okay, well, let's see. Okay, I'm aware. And what am I aware of? If the mind is tending to go back again, just use the corners again. Just you know, let yourself stay away from that with mindfulness. So, so what you're using here is you're using mindfulness to help you not get drawn back into that pattern. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that you're, you know, uh, not just doing the relax, receive. It's giving you a little bit of a, uh, a way to connect with something not that difficult. And the other thing about this particular one you know, I often find and suggest to people when they're that activated that the breath is not a good object to turn to um, because a lot of the activation we feel in, a, in something that strong is in this area where we would be paying attention to the breath. And so using visual, we, many of us, at least those of us who are sighted, um, have this capacity to connect with the visual field for brief moments and so we can use that capacity to help us to kind of settle. Um, and, then, and then what I'd suggest is, uh, as you see a thought like that arising, um, so if you find that, you know, okay, that thought comes back, let yourself acknowledge, okay, there it is. And now I'm going to look at corners for 10 seconds. <laughs> so that you, you give yourself some skill with 
recognizing it, touching into it, and giving yourself the, the skill to step out of it so that your mind begins to recognize it doesn't have to stay stuck to it. It can navigate its way out of it. So that's an important piece too. So, so just it's, it's, it can be a long, a long practice, but there may be times also when you have more capacity to hold something challenging and then, and then you can hold it and explore it in the way that we were talking about earlier. Um, I know. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> when I was doing the walking meditation, I was in it, and I kept, I kept trying to slow down and try to try different things. And the, um, the closest I got is that I went, okay, go backwards, and I started walking backwards uh-huh. to try to undo the thing that was happening for me, and that helped so much. I walked backwards to a corner, and then you actually physically I walked physically backwards. Yeah, started. Instead of going forwards, and it was just going and going in my mind, uh-huh. I went, okay, break it and go backwards and, fiz- and focused on going backwards. Going backwards is actually really helpful sometimes. It takes a lot of, a lot of focus to walk backwards. So, was, you know, you. And a different type of, fo- like, you had, I had to break out of my yes, muscle, the that's muscles right. that were working. Exactly. So it gave me a pause. Yeah. And then I got to the corner and I went, oh my gosh, this being that I am in, this physical body that I'm in, is experiencing experiencing being terrified. Mm-hmm. And I am still, and there's something in it that went and washed over me in, in understanding and compassion for the physical being. For the being. terror, yeah. Yes. And there's a little glimmer of, it's there's a my mind is believing that I deserve to be suffering or that I mm. this is going to hurt or this something is happening. So, um, so yeah, you learned you actually I learned felt, quite a bit there. I, I got somewhere, yeah, but that's, that's more, beautiful. But I was still so charged, and it, I smiled for I could feel peace like some come over me for a second. Yeah, but I've been working for this for, with this feeling for so long. I appreciate the teach the corner. Yeah. That, and so Amazing. I would I would encourage you to use that. You can use walking backwards too. That's a fa- I'm, I'm so happy you discovered that. You know, it's it's a great because it does break so much of our of our minds. We have to to focus on it and think about it. So um, you know, in that place where you in, at the end when you'd gotten back to the corner and it's like, oh, here, wow, I can feel that terror. I can feel the compassion. I can see there's a belief that I deserve to suffer in that moment that's enough actually i would encourage you you know just with that much it's like okay and let me let me like do some more backwards walking right now (laughs) you know to just give yourself um that's that's that like touch into it and then give yourself a break from it and touch into it and give yourself a break from it um especially when it's that strong thank you So, um, okay, one more here, and then we'll, we'll do our last meditation together. So my question is an add-on to hers. Um, my difficulty is that these uh, demons come for me when I'm trying to go to sleep. Uh-huh. And so I can't count corners because the lights are out. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any awesome things like the corners that might work when the lights are out? So the thing that I've used at nighttime when I'm trying to go to sleep and there's something that's like latching onto my mind... So this is what my mind came up with. Um, I knew that I needed something that the mind could attend to that was not charged and yet also um, not trying to paper over what was going on 
And so I picked the most innocuous image I could think of to put in my mind and kept like, you know, I kept like refreshing it. And what I picked was Winnie the Pooh holding a balloon and floating, you know, to get honey from the tree with the bees buzzing around. So it was like that whole image, I just like put that image in my mind. (laughs) And it let the mind let go of the other stuff. And it it was like, I wasn't trying to put myself on a beach somewhere where I'd be happy and like, you know, feeling good. It's like, you know, it's, it's got, it's like neutral is what's helpful. I found at least, because if I tried to put myself in something pleasant, at least for me, when I try to do that, it's like, oh yeah, you're, you're, you're trying to ignore me over here. So forget it. (laughs) And so it won't let me do it, but something neutral. And so, you know, this is like counting sheep, you know, sometimes people talk about that but you know for me something you know like putting an image that had a kind of sweetness to it that I could visualize that's what I used Uh, another thing you could do is put your fingers together like this so use something tactile um, and then uh, push your thumbs together slightly and feel your thumb for about you know a couple seconds and then push your first finger together slightly feel your first finger and your third finger, your second finger, next finger, next finger, and just keep, you know, rotating between your fingers, just giving yourself some some stimulus to let your mind land on. Uh, I've not done this particularly. This has not been my tool, but this was Saito Utejaniya's tool when he was caught in depression. He used this, so I offer that too. So let's um let's sit again